This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Lee Bracken. We have a real legend in Canadian theatre with us today, musical theatre veteran and really a national treasure, Charlotte Moore is on the program. I would like to dedicate this show today to the revered and influential composer and lyricist, the late, great Stephen Sondheim who was one of the greatest composer-lyricists of the 20th century. Since recording this interview with Charlotte Moore, who is known for her deep understanding of Sondheim's work, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that her resume is overflowing with Sondheim musicals. In fact, she even created and performed a cabaret called All Sondheim. We asked Charlotte Moore for a quote about Stephen Sondheim, who was described by the New York Times as one of Broadway history's songwriting titans, whose music and lyrics raised and reset the artistic standard for the American stage musical. Charlotte Moore said, and I quote, Gypsy was only the beginning of my lifelong Sondheim adventure. I feel fully blessed to have been in so many different productions of his remarkable work. Our entire community is reeling from his loss. Thank you for that quote, And now let me tell you a little bit more about Charlotte Moore. Charlotte Moore is part of one of the greatest musical theater families in the country. She is the daughter of Maver Moore, who of course was a member of the Order of Canada and also won a Governor General's Award. And Maver Moore really helped establish professional theater in Canada. Charlotte's grandmother, of course, is actress and pioneer of the Canadian theater, Dora Mavermore, after whom Toronto's annual theater awards are named. Charlotte Moore has been a staple of the Canadian musical theater for over 40 years. (laughs) She won her first Dora Mavermore Award in 1990 for the Rocky Horror Show and was nominated exactly 30 years later for Sondheim's Sunday in the Park with George, one of the best performances I've ever seen. She has appeared at the Shaw Festival the Charlottetown Festival, and worked all across this great country of ours in such theatres as the Grand Theatre in London, Halifax's Neptune Theatre, playing Mama Rose and Gypsy, Drayton Entertainment, and many more for Mervish, Hairspray, Fontaine and Les Mis, and Auntie M in The Wizard of Oz. She has been a stalwart supporter of new Canadian musicals for all of those 40 years, appearing in many world premieres and workshops. Charlotte appears on the cast album for Stan Rogers, A Matter of Heart, and she has three solo albums to her credit. Friends of Mine, Songs from Canadian Musicals, Long Road Back with all original material, and most recently, her latest brainchild, Some Comfort Here with pianist Mark Camilleri. Charlotte Moore, it's an absolute delight to have you here. Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you, Judy. It's a delight to be here. The last show I saw Charlotte just before the pandemic was one of Stephen Sondheim's most revered musicals, 
and one of my favorite musicals of all time. And of course, that's Sunday in the Park with George, where you gave a brilliant performance as the old lady, mother, and your exquisite song, Beautiful, was not only memorable, but really one of the highlights of the show for me. What was it like doing that production? And were you aware at the time that you were doing it, that this was going to be one of the last shows before theater became shut down for almost two years? We were aware that it was very special, that it was one of the special ones. You can feel that when it happens, but we were blissfully unaware that uh, I think we closed on March the 8th and the world closed on March 13th. Um, We had no idea what was coming down the pipe. None at (laughs) all. (laughs) Yeah. There was something, something magical about that production in that theater. I just remember it so well. There were Sheridan grads involved in that show as well, of which your daughter is one and my daughter's about to be one. And uh, it it was there. There was something quite, quite incredible. So that was the last show that I saw before the pandemic. So now fast forward the tape. See, I say tape, old fashioned, whatever they call it now, uh, two years later. And I went with my daughter, Lily, to our first show back since lockdown, which was the season gala, Follies in Concert, by the late, great Stephen Sondheim. And it was at Kerner Hall, the Royal Conservatory, where an all-star cast of Canadian theatrical talent came together to perform one of the greatest musicals ever created. And of course, I'm speaking about Follies. Yeah. And naturally, we're all wearing masks in the theatre. This is, <laughs> and, and this is our first time, most of the people in that audience since lockdown, and when you started to sing, I'm still here. That was a gift. I Not only was your voice spectacular, Charlotte, there was something about that performance that made me weep. And I was sitting in my seat. My mask was soaking wet because, you know, so I was falling into, into, into my mask. And no, it was just beautiful. There's something about getting getting a gift of a song like that, you know. There's something about, uh, like, when I got to sing the lines, I've been through this and I've been through that and I'm still here and I'm still here. And then you get the gift of a line, I got through all of last year. And the audience just just exploded because they were all right there with me. Yes. You know, there was no acting required for that. (laughs) It was so spectacular. I hope there's a video of this and that you have it somewhere because honestly, that performance was one of the performances of a lifetime. What was it like for you to get back up on that stage with the wonderful Cynthia Dale, who's been on this program, directed by the amazing Richard Azunian and all of that wonderful talent, all those 18 wonderful, wonderful star-studded cast members and doing doing live theater again. It was it was uh, one of those uh, experiences that um, I think you learn to appreciate them more as you get older. Uh, uh, we all appreciate lots of things more as we get older, but that in particular, to be sitting next to uh, Maestro Paul Sportelli, uh, who is probably one of the greatest musical directors we have in this country. He is at the Shaw Festival; that's his home. But he came up to do this with a twenty-four piece orchestra. In this day and age, you almost never get that and uh just to be with all those remarkable people in that space i'd never sung at kerner hall before and gee it's a special magical place and uh i think we all just felt really blessed and um i I, before the uh, performance on saturday night um 
uh, we were in the wings, we were listening to the orchestra play the overture, and I just turned to everybody and I said, aren't we lucky? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because we were. Yeah. Well, well, we in the audience, when we heard the orchestra swell, we were just, oh. we, we, you had us already just at the orchestra because we were just going, my God, have we ever missed this? Yes. Not that we ever took it for granted before, but suddenly uh-huh. this was just next level. And the standing ovations that you received that yeah. night, I was at, in that Saturday night performance, uh, the, right. the, those standing ovations were, well, really told the story, yeah. right? And I'm sitting next to Ben Hepner, and I'm so intimidated. <laughs> it was. It was awesome. Very nice man. <laughs> uh, it was just, uh, it was something to behold. I wish it would continue on because that production was just incredible. I'd go see it again. So that was, that was amazing. Charlotte, you were in a production of Cabaret at London, Ontario's Grand Theatre that was slated to go on tour back in 2020. And uh, due to lockdown, of course, this couldn't happen. But can you tell us what made that production so stunning? Unfortunately, I didn't get to see that one. What made that production so special, and uh, one of the reasons why I don't know when we'll get a chance to do it again, if they do decide to pick up, it was a year-long tour, coast to coast. We were going to play the National Arts Center. Anyway, it was, it was uh, I am in a large group of people who had devastating uh, losses in employment, but that was the one for me. Um, it, what was so special about this production of Cabaret was that we made the whole space, the Cabaret, they took all the seats out of the McManus Theatre and the Grand Theatre in London, and they built these huge, long steel tables, and they built stairs up to a balcony, and they built all these things, and they built a like a big bar around the, en- the other end of the room from the balcony. So at the end of the number, at the end of the show, rather, we were all standing in spotlights, on on the bar and there were audience members at our feet and the big numbers oh. like uh, mine hair and and don't tell mama and all those big numbers were done on the tables with the audiences at our feet and there's here's joe matheson and i um a fox trotting up down this steel table which of course <laughs> bolted into the floor so it wouldn't fall off and um uh, for, we needed a couple of sailors for one scene so the lady uh playing the prostitute would just pick two audience <laughs> members out of out of the get them up from their seats and put sailors hats on them and include them in the scene so that's the kind of thing that we can't do for some time now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we won't be able to for several years we won't be able to do shows that are that interactive and we would talk Mm -hmm. to the audience and we would you know we'd get them up as i said and and uh it was just uh uh, uh, i the expression that we used a lot was in your face we were in their faces (laughs) and it made the um I mean, that show doesn't need any help being uh, being relevant. It seems to, I did it, I played Sally Bowles 38 years ago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, it was so relevant then, but it's more relevant now. It's it's surprising. But uh, to, to make it so, uh, so uh, present and, and literally like, you know, pretending we were going to sit in their laps. <laughs> and and uh, so we couldn't do that now in the, in the new world, in the new world order, we yeah. couldn't do yeah. a show that. Of course. Let's go back to the beginning for a moment, Charlotte. What was it like growing up in such a venerable, notable theatrical family? I have three sisters who are older than me, and my oldest sister is 11 years older than me. And she was the one who got the real benefit of that um, because my parents separated when I was 
seven or eight. And so I wasn't, uh, a lot of my childhood wasn't spent, you know, hanging around rehearsal halls like my eldest sister got to do. Um, but I do remember very vividly, and I love to tell this story, uh, when I had just turned six, uh, and I'm dating myself, and you can do the math if you really want to. When I had just turned six, it was <laughs> I'm the same age. <laughs> Charlottetown Festival, and my dad was running the Charlottetown Festival. And the second year of the Charlottetown Festival was when they premiered Anne of Green Gables. So I had to be dragged to the show. I'm like, why do I want to go to a play? And it was opening night of Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> and uh, so I finally got talked into going to this play uh, because they told me it was about a girl who felt, a little girl who felt like she didn't fit in. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to this play. So I go to this play. I'm sitting next to my mom and this world, uh, I, I mean, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a show at the Charlottetown Festival, but it's a magical place. I've seen that and show that you're talking about. And at the top of the second half, this lady, the school teacher, comes out and starts singing this word, this song, which I later found out my dad actually wrote the words to, um, she comes out, she starts singing this song about open the window and, and, and look at the sky and, and look at a statue and, and what is music really and asking all these questions. And I literally, this is what happens. Six-year-old me, I pull on my mother's sleeve and I go, that. And she says, what? And I say, I'm going to do that. Oh. And she says, you know you're not. <laughs> so that's my, oh my goodness. I just got the full shivers. I just got the I just got the full shivers. That that's fabulous. Yeah. You knew, you knew when you saw that production that, that this is what you wanted. Do you remember your first time on stage? Um, professionally, it was Anna Green Gables. Wow! Because I got into the Charlottetown Festival Company uh, when I was twenty. I just and I, I turned twenty one there at the festival, and we did it uh, here in um, in Toronto. Uh, first at the, what was then the O'Keefe Center. And because I wasn't a good enough dancer, I was, I was playing the one school kid who doesn't dance. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's, yeah. So it's uh, Anna Green Gables follows me wow. wherever I go. I've done nine productions and I'm going to be doing my 10th this summer because I'm going back to the Charlottetown Festival. Oh, so. that's what yeah. you played Miss Prissy the first time. Yeah. You played Mrs. Lynn. Prissy Andrews the first time. And then years later, I was Miss Stacy, the school teacher. And in fact, the first night I opened Miss Stacy, no, the second time I got to play Miss Stacy, my six-year-old kid was in the audience. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I played Stacy. I played Rachel five different times. And then I played Marilla twice. <laughs> Crazy, eh? So you've played every part, basically, <laughs> every major role. I like to say I, I'm trying to work my way through all the ladies of Avonlea. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? And you get to be there, which is so, what is it, what was it like spending a summer at the Charlottetown Festival? Uh, when I was a kid, it was magical. We, we were there two summers. And then um, after my parents split, my dad would uh, pick up me and my next eldest sister and drive out Charlottetown and hang out in Charlottetown for a couple of weeks. And then we'd drive oh. back. So, so I really feel like Charlottetown is my second home. And I do, in fact, own a house there now. I've owned a house there since 2015. Oh. Um, and I love it. I just love it. Isn't that yeah. wonderful? It's a magical place, especially in the summer. 
When you were back at Charlottetown, when you when you made your professional debut, one of the productions you did was Jim Betts on a summer's night. Yes. Do yeah. you have memories of that production? I have very clear memories of that production. Uh, it was uh, the people that I got to meet: um, Douglas Chamberlain, Wanda Cannon, Brian Mackay, uh, Michelle Fisk, uh, Patrick Young. I, I mean, these are all names that are iconic to me and my generation. Uh, of course, Ellen Lund was was still there, and uh, yeah, that was a marvelous summer. And I actually uh, doing. Uh, I was exiting the stage one night and I went over, this is during uh, On a Summer's Night, I went over on my foot and sat on it and broke my foot. And and we thought I'd sprained my ankle. So I did the rest of the show limping around. And then we, (laughs) we, uh, the stage manager took me to the hospital, but there was a party happening at my house. So uh, (laughs) it was the best entrance I'll ever make because I came in the kitchen door after they put the cast on my foot. And all I did was I stuck my my foot in the cast through the kitchen door. And there was this chorus of 40 voices going, oh, my God. <laughs> I oh, did the the cast on my foot. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Charlotte, you won a Dora Maver Moore Award in 1990 for the Rocky Horror Show. And upon accepting the award, it is said that you exclaimed, rest in peace, Grandma. One of us has finally won one of these things. That's exactly what I said. What do you remember? But I used to always attend the Dora. So I, I could have even been there. What was that like? And what do you remember about getting that wonderful award named after the whole award show is named after your grandmother? It It's very true what people say about when it's the lead up to when it's the lead up to your category, time slows down. And when they start announcing the names, time slows down even more. So that when you do hear your name, you aren't really sure that you actually heard it. <laughs> So my boyfriend at the time, who later became my husband, had to go, it's you, it's you, get up. <laughs> I was I was just so, so thrilled and pleased and and it, it felt like the culmination of a lot of things. I mean, I wasn't that old. I was 30, 31, you know, so, you know, but you think you're old when you're 31. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I was just really honored. I was just really honored. But I, I did want to. I did want to make a little quip about. Uh, and my sister was nominated <laughs> like, like, a couple of years later. So, um, oh, yeah, isn't that wonderful? Was that a fun show to do, the Rocky Horror Show? Oh, it was great. It was great. Our star was Juan Curran, who uh, has appeared mostly in recent years at Stratford. Um, uh, he was our Frankenfurter, and uh, he. Uh, appealed in uh, an animal way to everyone. <laughs> Didn't matter what <laughs> you play for or what side you pitch for, you wanted to take him. <laughs> and he was so brilliant. He was so brilliant. So it, it sort of came from that, from that down, it, it, it came and we just had so much fun. And people like Sean Wright and Gail Hackler, who he's taught at, at Sheridan for decades. Oh, and, at Sheridan, of course. Uh, just the most fun oh. people, the most fun people. And we, uh, we ran a long time. We ran about four months. Uh, we were at the Bathurst wow. Street Theater 
And um, it was, uh, and it was between seasons of Shaw for me. So I really felt like I'd hit the big time, right? Like it was, I had worked line oh. up and, and uh, it was very exciting. But I will tell you though, that New Year's Eve, you don't want to be in a live production of the Rocky Horror Show because everyone arrives with their mind altered by some substance. And <laughs> yes. so the, the hooting and hollering and the, and the yelling, the poor guy who was playing, his name is Donnie Bose, the poor actor who was playing the <laughs> professor, you know, audiences yell at you when you're doing the, the Rocky Horror Show and they yell at the professor, they yell, boring. Well, New Year's Eve, they oh, yelled no. boring so loud and so much, you literally couldn't hear a word he was saying. So he gave the audience a recipe for tuna melts and said and there you have yourself a nice little holiday treat Love the dish. <laughs> and that's I hilarious that's at me so many times that i finally stopped i could completely drop my character and i went okay give it to me give it to me and they screamed at me and then i went like this and i said now we can continue Let's continue the show. Yes. Exactly. In 1994, Charlotte, it's a great story. Thank you for that. You played Fontaine in a Halifax production of Les Miserables, at which time the Globe and Mail referred to you as one of the strongest dramatic singers in Canada. And what a cast you played with. You performed with Thomas Gertz, who played Javert, and Frank McKay, who played Jean Valjean, and Dan Shamroy, of course, at Stratford as Marius. Was that, because that's that's just a quintessential role, was that a transformative experience for you playing Fontaine? Oh, oh yes. And, and I had played Fontaine in what we called the uh, the box version, the, the Cameron Mackintosh version that toured the world. And I had, oh. I very luckily, I toured, uh, we went to Hawaii, we did all across Canada, and we had a, a, one of the Broadway Valjeans, Craig Shulman, who was one of the great leading men of my life. And... Um, so I had had that experience uh, uh, of this is the way you, you sing this song and this is the way you fall off the bed and this is how, when you reach your arm on this note. And so when we got to do it in Halifax, it was the first time, I think, in the world that anyone had been given permission to do a new version. Our barricade was different. Our revolve was different. Our costumes were different. Um and so it was to have a fresh look at it after I'd been, after I'd been really instructed to the minutia. Um, and I think Tom Gertz felt the same way because he, of course, opened the show here in Toronto. Um, and it was, it was really a, a beautiful, beautiful experience. And Frank McKay's Valjean was, was really uh, something to behold. I was so proud of him because I'd worked with him a lot before then and a, a lot since then as well. Um, and I was very, very proud of him. He was remarkable. It must have been so freeing and liberating to 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 have that happen. And I, I've seen even from the photos of you in that production that you just seem to be inhabiting that character. You know, without even having seen it, yeah. I felt that you were on teen in, in, the, in those yeah. photographs. I, I also loved reading that you twice appeared in the musical Gypsy, once as Louise and once as Mama Rose, 18 years apart. Yeah. Can you tell me about the first one, what it was like playing Louise, Gypsy, Rose, Lee? I played that role at 18 in Montreal for the Arcade. <laughs> Canadians uh, wow. theater for, for about 32 performances. What was it like, first of all, playing Louise as, as a younger, uh, a younger person? And then we'll get to the, we'll get to mama. <laughs> you know what? We're going to find out the answer to that when we come back right after this short commercial break. Back in a moment. 
Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're here with Canadian musical theatre treasure, Charlotte Moore. And I was just asking you, Charlotte, before the break, about what it was like playing Louise in Gypsy. Well, playing Louise was my first experience with the Grand Theatre London, and it's one of the great theatres in the country. And it was one of my very first leading roles. Um, uh, I had I had some really good friends in the show, and I made some lifelong friends in that show. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you know, I've been talking about the special ones when you know there were a special one, and that that was definitely one of the ones. And and, and we had a full orchestra. Oh, I'll tell you my favorite story about that experience. There's a scene late in the second act when uh, when Louise, the younger daughter, the older daughter who was the star and the actual talented one, has run away. She's taken off. So now they've been reduced to playing a burlesque house. And the star of the burlesque house uh, is sick or something. So the mom, put Rose, pushes Louise onto the stage as a burlesque star. So she's getting ready and she's got, got to find a dress and somebody gives her some gloves. And, and, and so she changes and then she comes out and she goes up to a mirror. She's putting her gloves on and she comes out and she looks at, she sees herself in the mirror dressed as an adult with her hair up and a beautiful gown. And she, the line is my favorite line I ever got to say. The line is mama, I'm pretty. I'm a pretty girl, mama. And I remember of being very moved by that line every time I got to say it, but we did one student matinee and I, excuse me, I'm going to swear. I come out and put on the glove. I'm about to look in the mirror and this, this male teenage, all just broken voice says, Jesus Christ, she's pretty. Oh, that was, oh, at the end of that performance, I came up from my bow and my rhinestone (laughs) necklace fell off. And I had been, uh, during the strips, you take your things off and you throw them to the conductor who would catch them. So my necklace fell off and I picked it up and I threw it at the conductor and he got it. <laughs> that's fabulous. That's what a great story. Yeah. And then fast forward 18 years, I'm playing Mama Rose. I'm doing a scene with Marla McLean, who was my Louise when I was Rose. And she's doing this big scene the two of us have. And I'm watching her. It was doing a performance. I'm watching her thinking, gee, that's way better than I did it. Because <laughs> I was so appreciating Marla's performance. Oh, so. See, that is generosity of spirit. <laughs> and why why Charlotte Moore has been doing this for 40 years and is one of the longest standing musical theater greats in the country. Uh, you say your favorite role to date is definitely as the sole woman in Stan Rogers, A Matter of Heart. Can you tell us what made that your favorite role of all time? 
Um, I think one of the most important things about that show for me was that we, uh, our music directors were Bob Ashley, who is an icon in that, in our business, in that role. But we also, our co-music director was Paul Mills, who was Stan Rogers' producer. He toured with him uh, and played, uh, recorded under the moniker of Curly Boy Stubbs. Um, and so Paul was there and it was just, um, and I've always been a Stan fan and two of my, well, all my sisters are, are giant Stan fans. And um, we walked into the first day of rehearsal and the four singers, myself, Terry Hattie, Dan McKay and Frank McKay. No, Dan McKay and Frank McKay. I always get that wrong. Um, we were treated as fellow musicians instead of, oh, you're the singers and this is how you're going to sing it. We did wow. the arrangements uh, together or uh, how the feel of the thing. And Jim Betts was such a, a generous uh, director in, in hearing what we had to say about, I don't feel comfortable here or I feel really great here. Can we keep that? Um, and it was just, it, it, and that's what made that experience. One of the reasons it, that experience was so magical um, was because we were treated like fellow musicians. And so we rose to the occasion. And it is mm-hmm. the most challenging score I will ever sing and the most gratifying, the most satisfying, wow. because you really sing all of yourself, right? Would you say more challenging than Sondheim? Because Sondheim, which you are a master of, <laughs> is some of the most challenging people say, and yet you've mastered it and you've done so much Sondheim in your career. Yeah. And that's been that's been in the last ten years since I've been since I've been a little more mature. I've been got to do more Sondheim. Um uh the thing about Sondheim is he's tricky. Like Stan was all heart. And I don't know how Stan Rogers gets inside a prairie farm wife's head, but he can. Sondheim, on the other hand, is all is all up here. And if the emotion comes out, uh, it's because it's informed by the the mind games that he's playing with you. Like he'll change half a word or he'll change, he'll make a note sharp instead of flat on the second verse, or he'll play these games with you that, that means you have to do your homework. Mm-hmm. You have to do your homework. Mm-hmm. It's a, a completely different style of music. Um, and I think that uh, one of the great joys for me in my uh, in my journey through musical theater is getting to do different styles of music. But Sondheim is a, is a very special thing. And I, and I always say, people say, what's your favorite Sondheim show? And I always say the one I just did. <laughs> <laughs> They're all great. They're all great. Well, yeah. the one you just did was great, yeah. but so was Sunday. Oh, my God. You spent three wonderful seasons at the Shaw Festival, culminating in the unforgettable Jackie Maxwell production of Sondheim's Again, Merrily We Roll Along. How would you describe those years at the Shaw Festival? Um, I I had been at the Shaw Festival where I met my husband in uh, 89 and 90, and then I wasn't back again until this that summer 2002 and it was it felt like coming home it really felt like coming home and uh, Paul Sportelli was the MD who had been our MD on the whole Les Mis tour that we did so uh, I, I felt like I was coming home to work with my friends there were lots of people I knew there and uh, we were very very proud of that production we felt um, it's a it's a I don't know if you know uh, that much about it but it's told backwards so in the first scene you meet the people when they're in their 40s and in the last scene, you see the young, youthful innocence singing about it's our time and we're going to change the world. And um, 
we were, as I say, we were very, very proud of that production. And I think it was Jackie's first show that wow. she directed there. And uh, she really wanted to get it right. And I think she really did. You also spent a season um, in Robin Phillips' Grand Theatre Company. That must have been a pretty cool experience. I'm wondering if that was with, um, I, I just know so many actors that were in that company. Do you remember who your cohorts were? Uh, Martha Henry. That's when I worked with Martha Henry. Oh. I was Memorial on the weekend. Um, Martha Henry, William Hutt, Carol Shelley, uh, uh, Susan Wright, uh, Barry McGregor, Brent Carver, oh. David Dunbar, Jeff Heslop. Oh. Uh, the, the list just goes on and on and on. And Neil, there's me and Neil Foster. We're both 24 years old. Like, how the hell did we get here? I, I have the answer. Talent, talent, talent. You've said you're most passionate about the shows that most people won't recognize. And you've had the pleasure of being in shows like those uh, by Leslie Arden, Jim Betts, Kathy Elliott, and Joey Miller, which made up most of the songs on your first album, Friends of Mine, which featured unrecorded songs from Canadian musicals. So wonderful. What inspired you to create that album? Um, at that time, I realized that there were no recordings because there used to be a rule that if you wanted to record a show, you had to pay the cast two weeks pay uh, to to come in for an afternoon and record the show. So nobody could afford it. Wow. Um, I think in the States, it's different because there used to be a thing where they'd go in the night, the day after opening and they'd record the album. But anyway. Um, so no one could afford to do it. And there was a song, which I sang at my album launch uh, recently, that I had sung that was written by Patrick Rose called Forever in a Day. And I realized I was going through sheet music for some project, and I this was a beautiful, beautiful song. And no one had heard it in 20 years because we did it in that show and then it disappeared. So then I started to think, well, there's this song and there's this song and there's this song and there's this song. There's all these songs of Leslie's. There's all these songs of Jim's. And uh, so I spent about, uh, I spent about, oh, a year collecting material and taking it over to Mark Camilleri's house. Uh, And uh, he produced, he co-produced that first album with me. And so during the lockdowns, when I had the opportunity to go to Mark Camilleri's studio and work with him on a completely different project that Jim Betts had put together, I said to him, neither of us are busy. We work so well together. I mean, that album was 2004. And I said, let's do something. So we did. We did an album that was just he and I. And we literally just did songs we wanted to do because we work so well together. So fantastic. Yeah. And I think you're referring to now to Some Comfort Here, which you've described as a pandemic project. You worked on on the album, as you just mentioned, with Mark Hamilieri at the Imagine Sound Studios. And it was pretty much a live to tape collection of songs from old to new. so this album, I just want to just tell the listeners, Some Comfort Here represents writers of many different genres, mostly pop. And just the people, the songs are from Joni Mitchell, Tom Waits, that, that you're covering, Rascal Flatts, Jan Arden, Tracy Chapman, Chantel Kreviasek, who hopefully is going to be coming on this show as well. Okay. Alex Pangman, who has been on the show, Blossom Deary, and Kevin Wong, which I'm so excited because we're going to be hearing one of his songs that, that you covered yeah. so magnificently at the end of the show. I love Kevin Wong and his work. Uh, and the song is called Maybe Now. Yeah. And you covered. How did you choose the songs for the album? Was it kind of an organic thing? 
It was an organic thing. Um, At first, I thought I would limit it to just Canadian female writers. And then Mark and I were talking about that. And we realized if it's our project and it's just the two of us, we can literally sing. We can do whatever we want. So I went through all my music and uh, I would come over. I think we had three, two to three hour sessions and we called them fishing expeditions. And I would arrive with an armload of sheet music and I'd just put it in front of him and he'd start to do something. And, and within a verse and a half, we would know whether we wanted to maybe include it or not include it. So we'd, we'd uh, each of those sessions, we pick three or four songs wow so it was really really fun and some of them were surprising and some of them ones uh i had heard online like the blossom deary one i heard uh, during the pandemic the renee fleming and um yo-yo ma recording of that song so and that turned out to be our favorite song and the first one that we uh, actually recorded but there was another billy joel one that i heard a recording of the king singers when i was stuck in my apartment making masks and scrub caps um for the sewing army because that's how i kept myself sane um i the king singers did this beautiful version of this billy joel song which i thought for sure because that was one of the songs that gave me the idea that i thought for sure that would be on and we worked it and we worked it and we just mark said most interesting thing he said we can't bring anything to this Hmm. how can we make this our own Hmm. And uh, so that became our sort of uh, 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 modus operandi, if you will, of what can we bring to it. Lovely. And uh, so we ended up with a very eclectic uh, mix of songs. We're actually quite proud of the fact that there's only two music theater songs on the whole thing. (laughs) And uh, some of them are new, like Kevin's song. And the oldest one is from 1932 that I stole from Alex (laughs) Pye. Well, I loved your version of Tracy Chapman's Give me one reason. So we're going to give our blisters. Great. This is actually a new word we've just coined blisters. I think it's pretty cool. I don't I don't own it. It actually belongs to Shelly, who is an okay. intern, but not for long because she came up with blisters. So a little taste of that classic. Let's have a listen. Charlotte Moore, give me one reason from her newest album. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Oh, my God. That is so fabulous, Charlotte. Isn't that an awesome group? It's so, you just sound fantastic. I just love it. Charlotte, the title of your most recent album is Some Comfort Here. And you say that, and I quote, the title of the project, Some Comfort Here, comes from one of the tunes we covered. Of course, Sarah McLaughlin's Angel, representing the welcoming, comforting feeling we hope to catch capture with this project. Can you just explain briefly what you meant by this? Um a lot of the songs that we rejected were songs of anger or angst or, and we really felt because we were coming back from this world situation that we wanted to wrap our arms around people musically. That was kind of the whole point. Um, uh, touch the hand of love and, and just songs that were uplifting and hopeful. And um, I could have taken four titles from Sarah McLaughlin's Angel, uh, but that one was the one that really sort of rang true 
um, to me and to Mark as well, because that, that it is the feeling that we wanted to com- convey of hopefulness and, and uh, just looking forward. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. And I want to say to everyone, this would really, some comfort here really is so good. We're going to hear two, two selections from it, but I encourage you all to get this as a Christmas gift, as a holiday gift. Great stocking stuffer. I mean, it's just so, it is, it's uplifting. This is what we need right now because we're moving towards the light and hopefully we're going to keep moving in the, in the right direction. Um, Gratitude is a big thing for you, Charlotte. Is that since the pandemic or were you always like that? I have been, uh, six years ago, I left my marriage and, uh, that has been my life's work since I left my marriage because I wanted to be more grateful about what I have in my life. And, uh, I wanted to, uh, be a positive person and I wanted to find a way to share, uh, what I consider to be my gifts with other people. And so I just, I want to wake up in the morning and look forward to my day, whatever that day is going to bring. I have to have a reason to get out of bed. And, uh, and so the, the negative, uh, connotations of, of what's past is, uh, and I'm not going to lie that the lockdowns were challenging. The first lockdown, I was totally by myself and it was challenging, but I found reasons to be positive and to look forward and to do, to, to contribute somehow. Absolutely. You know, that's why the making the masks and the scrub caps and stuff were so helpful to me because I was contributing to something. Absolutely. We all need a purpose and you've always had one. And that was tough for artists during the pandemic. I talked about this with Cynthia Dale as well, to not be able to work, but how wonderful that you found a way to even work during that time to create this beautiful album, Some Comfort Here. It's just fantastic. Um, I love that. I, (laughs) okay. Charlotte, we found a wonderful picture of you on your website of you in costume and makeup from a production of Kurt Vile and Bertolt Brecht's Happy End. What role did you play in that production? I played many roles. We had the the visual was done with puppets that were manipulated by these three puppeteers. They were life-size puppets. They were some of them were four feet tall. And four women played all the parts and sang all the songs. Oh, how wonderful. And uh, we were dressed like we were in like a 1920s cabaret, and we were at these big podiums all around the stage. And uh, it worked wonderfully well. It was, uh, I loved that costume, but it was very low cut. So I had to take, <laughs> I had to take it on. So it wouldn't move. Oh, that's fabulous. Okay, I'm going to make this one really quickly, but I have to say this. Charlotte, you're the daughter of the legendary Maven Moore. We've talked about him. He taught me playwriting at York University. Oh, cool. And for our listeners, in addition to his acclaim and accolades and writing lyrics for Anne of Green Gables, I spoke to one of his students, Richard Markle who got all A's in his playwriting class. And Richard remarked that students of of your dad's loved his anecdotes that were actually completely relevant and they were studying plays that he wrote and that he was the real deal. This is from Richard Markle. What did you learn the most from your father? I learned that we have to uh, support each other, that it's about the community. And he, that was so important to him was 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 uh, you know like he took the responsibility of when he was the first artist to lead the Canada Council of the Arts he 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 really felt that responsibility uh, to to uh support and nurture the community because mm-hmm. being Canadian and supporting the Canadian community was more important to him than anything 
So I think I inherited that for sure. I was going to say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Absolutely. <laughs> what is bliss for Charlotte Moore? Um, well, it doesn't doesn't get any better than singing Sondheim at Kerner Hall in front of a 24-piece orchestra. That's bliss for me. <laughs> it was bliss yeah. for us, too. <laughs> it really, really was. Wow. Uh, where can listeners find and purchase your beautiful album, Some Comfort Here? Um, well, it's a new world, so there is no physical album because people don't buy CDs anymore, apparently. Um, so it's all online. So you can go to whatever your platform is, if it's Spotify or iTunes or, or Apple Music. I don't know if they're even different anymore. And uh, you just type in my name, Charlotte Moore, and the title, Some Comfort Here, and it will come up. You can purchase it to download or you can just stream it for free. Yeah. Cool, oh, that's eh? so wonderful. Yeah. We're going to go on a, a short commercial break, more with just this national treasure. Charlotte Moore, and Finding Your Bliss when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And I'll have to say this musical theater royalty, Charlotte Moore is with us today. And we're going to close out the show with a beautiful song from her album called Maybe Now, written and composed by the uber-talented Kevin Wong. Can you set this up for us, Charlotte? Um, this is one of the two musical theater songs in the in the album, um, but uh, you don't need to know that. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful standalone sort of hymn to It's Okay, It's All Okay, mm-hmm. and Maybe Now is the time mm-hmm. to say It's Okay. I love it. Let's all have a listen to Charlotte Moore's Maybe Now from Some Comfort Here. Let's have a listen. Due to international copyright law, podcasts are unable to include music. Music can only be played on the live radio broadcast. Finding Your Bliss airs every Saturday at 1 p.m. If you'd like to hear this artist's music, you can find the link to our Finding Your Bliss SoundCloud in the episode description. Charlotte, that is so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Just beautiful. Kevin Wong, beautiful composition and beautifully sung and performed by Charlotte Moore. I have to say, this has been um, just incredible to have you on the program today. And it's really been a great honor to have you here, Charlotte. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Charlotte, uh, what is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you? Um, well, my website is all lowercase charlottemore.ca. And uh, yeah, I'm really bad. I'm not on Twitter or anything. And I have an Instagram, but I've 
done uh, maybe four photographs in three years. <laughs> You're the best. You're the best. I, I totally, I totally understand. And the website is great. Okay. Awesome. And, and we once had someone else, a very big star on the show and there was a, it was a similar thing. So I totally get it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Each week, we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. If you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way, please let me know. You can reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. Also. I'm on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. All you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. I want to thank everyone who's part of the show today. A big thank you to Charlotte Moore. Thank you to Mag Ruffman, producer Siobhan Kylie, senior editor Haley Allegia, editorial assistant Lauren Kaminsky, wonderful intern Shelley Koskinen, and audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. Instead of ending the show today with a meditation, I thought it would be fitting to end with some lyrics from one of the greatest lyricists and composers of all time, Stephen Sondheim. This is from Sunday in the Park with George. And as Stephen Sondheim wrote, white, a blank page or canvas, his favorite, so many possibilities. For everyone here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to keep making art and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.